Hello and welcome to another episode of All The Fs with me, Bex. So this week I am being joined by my friend and fellow fitness professional, Anne Stowers, who is jumping on to join me. We'll have a bit of an open and honest chat, aren't we? Talking about um, Anne's experience of perimenopause, because I can kind of give out you know, the facts and the stats and the geeky stuff, but ultimately it's not something that I'm experiencing at the moment. But I am going to experience it at some point, as all women are, so I'm really interested to find out as much as I can and inform myself about it, that I think everybody should be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that is my, that's the dream. I want every single person that is going to go through this, 51% of the population, um to to just recognize it straight away and you know even if a, a couple of little symptoms come along and they start kind of going oh I wonder rather than the oh I wonder why why not be experiencing that and kind of just going <clears throat> I know exactly what I need to do now because I've got all the information and that's that's what I like I mean you're doing it you're you're the opposite way around to myself in a way I've experienced symptoms and gone out and got information um and now I'm taking action and that's taken me a fair bit of digging around and I'm in a really good position where I've been able to speak to a lot of people in that position as well and learn and um you know do courses and things like that not everyone's in that position so kind of on the topic of that when you look back now on your experience because often it's with hindsight isn't it that we look back and go when did that first start appearing to us how long ago did you start to feel see symptoms and side effects that you might not have quite understood at the time with hindsight this is all completely retrospectively um I think I am now 45 I keep brain fog keeps aging myself keeps saying 46 um (laughs) But I'm pretty sure I started experiencing symptoms around about 42. So, and, but there were so many other things going on in my life at that time that I brushed them aside. And this is such a common story that I hear from clients. Um, that at, this, at the same time, running alongside me, experiencing like crippling anxiety, um, the the night sweats um and then there was also like the itchy skin which I'll explain in a bit um, but at the same time I was going through a divorce um we were in lockdown um and um you know I was homeschooling and going through all that um see I just brushed them away even the night sweats well it was that, that, that it, on, on. yeah it was it was that one that did it because I had this um I completely thought to myself like the the heightened anxiety that wasn't really me either and I had this really weird situation where um I I woke up middle of the night and um I couldn't remember if I'd locked the gym um and I and I was literally I was laid that I was just going through you know you know you retract your steps and uh and I was just like right right, lights off yeah lights off heating off da 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 did I lock the door and I just my brain just couldn't do it at all so then um yeah 3 a.m got in my car drove 40 minutes uh to go and check a door and it was locked of course it was um it but was the level of anxiety you were feeling about that yeah it was just bonkers it was absolutely bonkers um 
and I just remember and then so again just kind of you know cracked on uh with that and then yeah what it, it was pretty close to that happening that then I remember the night the night sweats and remember like full on um like I literally at one point yeah I had to like sleep on a towel kind and yeah. I was like either sleeping on a towel or I was doing that whole thing of like you hear these stories as well you know changing the sheets changing my clothes in the middle of the night all that and then I was like and and I still didn't know <clears throat> at that point I had no idea that perimenopause was a thing I'd never even heard the word the word I'd heard menopause I'd never heard perimenopause yeah. I completely and utterly thought that menopause was uh, you know all those um stereotypical things it was you know older people it was uh, when your period stop that didn't even tweak at all and then of course mr google helps you out a little bit well <laughs> i was gonna say though were you worried because if perimenopause wasn't coming into your head as you know like the first thought that could come across as something potentially quite sinister that would cause me health anxiety if all these things were happening to me and that wasn't you know the first thing at the top of my list so were you questioning that did you think there was something else going on yeah because like I said there was like I, I almost see it as these two paths of uh, at that time running alongside each other they were kind of like all the all the things that are dealing with personally through um the the divorce and then um uh you know, I think we were almost, we were back into the gyms, we were back, you know, doing a bit, but it was still not great. And the schools weren't, you know, I think the the kids were a bit on up with the schools. So, you know, you just, you're just juggling all that. And then I do, I had a conversation with my doctor um, because I then had a, this is the TMI time. You might have to put like a, 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 a massive TMI at the beginning of this, but I then had a conversation with my doctor and, and it did this, this did come up did uh you know hormones and you know where what was that and she was looking at the date on my coil so um the I had the marina coil and I'd never had any problems whatsoever um absolutely worked perfectly for me and I didn't actually have any periods on it at all um and then I remember she um of course the dog starts whining never whined before in his life um <laughs> yeah, no. um so then what I was gonna say yeah so she said to me she's oh actually the marina coil's coming towards the end of its five years and it, and this all kind of started and it was having a conversation with my GP that really really helped me start to contextualize things and then also start to say to myself do you know what I'm gonna go find out about this mm-hmm. and I <laughs> And that's the thing, isn't it? It's like I had the impetus to pick up the phone and I also felt confident enough to discuss what was going on with my GP. And, you know, not not everybody feels that way about when they're experiencing some of these symptoms. Not everyone identifies these symptoms as being perimenopause. No, and I mean, it's important to kind of interject here and say obviously the average age for menopause they say is 51 you can expect perimenopause you know five six seven years before that potentially but it's important to say that is an average so obviously people fall outside of the average so there could be ladies listening to this who have either dismissed it themselves or have been dismissed dismissed by somebody else as too young to be going through perimenopause 
And a lot of the time when I put it across to people, there can be a little bit of resistance from women of, well, I'm not some old maid, you know, I'm not an old lady. And we have to try and, try and change the narrative, don't we, that this could be happening at any time. Yeah, and I yeah, yeah. more women of your age that you were talking about, you know, 40, 41, 42, it's pretty common to be starting to see the changes caused by those decreases in hormones. Yeah, definitely. And I think, and that's the thing is that um, because of people here, age attached to, you know, to menopause, exactly like you've just said that, you know, the average age is 51. They just, it's just not on a radar. And for me, I would absolutely, like I was saying earlier, I just absolutely love for um, people of, you know, like in their thirties or well, actually even younger you know teach it alongside puberty you know mm. it was quite interesting because I asked my 15 year old I, I was talking to them about um what they'd they'd learn and they'd literally learn it as one almost like one sentence in the mm -hmm. textbook and I then started looking this is how like uh, I start looking around and then I started looking into my uh, nutrition uh, textbooks from when I did my diploma what was really interesting was menopause sits in um aging population as the the bit in the nutrition and I'm like oh, do you know what I know so many I know so many women that have had surgical menopause really early in their life that suffer from um premature ovarian insufficiency I've um, got two who've got it in, who have suffered with it kind of late 20s early 30s constantly being dismissed as we don't know what this is and it's only now that obviously it's becoming so much more apparent in the media in social media that those conversations are happening so I've got two girls in my head that um are now both on HRT but only now after it started to be made obvious in the press so they've both gone you know late 20s all the way through their 30s experiencing you know symptoms that can be really quite impactful to the quality of life and not having any idea what's happening to them so it can literally happen at any time can't it 20s yeah. 30s 40s that's absolutely true I mean I have um I've got two um so I've got a daughter and and actually I'll be honest with anyone that listens to this so I've have uh my 15 year old identifies as uh transgender and um it and they really are in a situation now where we talk about it massively, really, really openly at home. And I don't want either of my kids, regardless of how they identify, what their gender is, anything, both of them at some point are going to go through um, the symptom, you know, what every other born female person is going to go through. And I don't want them in a situation where they don't feel like they are of a stereotypical population that can go and talk to their GP about it. Yeah, it's a really fine. Um, so in terms of, just go back to what you're, you mentioned anxiety, you mentioned night sweats. Was there anything else that was kind of standing out to you? Because a common one for the people I work with is usually joint pain really common one um the brain fog is a really common one um 
and some less common ones so things like pins and needles and um, bleeding gums and things that you might not necessarily connect to a depletion in hormones so anything else that kind of surprised you hey yeah I don't want this I don't want this to really like a big tick box of like all these this does sound horrific when you when you list them it sounds horrific but what I want to stress is that actually this stage if you want to call it a stage can be really positive as well but going back to your original question yeah uh, I'll tell you one of the ones that got that gets me at the moment and I'll explain what's going on with my whole situation home only at some point but it's the the itching <clears throat> honestly Have I can skin? wait yeah I can wake up and it's very true what people say that it feels like there's like basically there's like something crawling underneath your skin and I can wake up and mostly for me it's across my chest um really bizarrely the bottom of my legs my my shins um but across my chest sometimes onto my torso but I will wake up and I will, I have, it's, this sounds horrendous. I have like draw, nearly drawn blood. You know, like when you can tell that someone's scratched so much that it's like brought blood to yeah. the surface kind of thing. Um, and again, I didn't realise that at all, that that, that was a, a symptom. And, and have you looked at like the histamine levels in your diet at all, or is that not something that you have looked at? Uh, no, no, not specifically at all um in terms of the management of some of these symptoms so yeah I'd say joint stiffness yes my recovery I've had to really focus on when I've been you know when I've worked out um you know I'm in a I guess a, a, a advantageous privileged position of understanding that you know in terms of recovery um how to focus on that and also not to overdo it I've really had to change up you know how I train yeah um, but that doesn't mean that I haven't, you know, I've eliminated um, the things that I really enjoy as well. Yeah, um, and that, that's important. Like you were saying, these conversations have a potential to be a bit doom and gloom. And I know that's what we don't want to go there because we don't need to go there. So, again, for statistics, for the geeks, it's important to say that um, statistics suggest that 80% of women experience some sort of physical side effects during perimenopause. 25% experience side effects that greatly impact their life. So that means 75% of women don't and are able to manage it. And like you say, adapt to training, make little changes to their stress management, sleep, things like that. So there's loads and loads you can do, isn't there, to manage it. But it definitely starts with everything you're saying about informing yourself, empowering yourself. Yes, speaking to your GP but you're going above and beyond now, aren't you, to completely understand what's happening to your body? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, this is now my day's work. I'm, you know, on a daily basis, I'm working with women that are, some of them really, really early stages, questioning, some of them are post-menopausal. Um, and I'm, I sat in a group of, um, a really lovely small group of women who came to my studio and we sat and we just chatted um, just really openly about everything to do with this. And I had post-menopausal women, post women saying to me, I just wish that there'd been p 
people like you around when I was going through it because I would have felt a lot more heard a lot more validated in what I was experiencing and oh my god I was like it just got me that and I was like that that is what I want I do not want now women in you know 20 years time going oh yeah well we just got on with it yeah well I imagine it I mean the only sort of um parallel I can see with myself is I experience PMT in different forms and even that for me even though it's a couple of days a month it can feel quite a lonely time can't it when you are you know dealing with for me it it manifests itself in anxiety which isn't something I experience for the rest of the month I have like the physical symptoms of anxiety that I find quite bad but I also have like extreme rage I have one day a month that's literally not to 100 but it does feel quite lonely to even just be having those thoughts and feelings internally you know when you've got like a husband and kids and stuff around you that don't really understand kind of what your problem is so for me a lot of the time I take myself away and actually physically isolate myself because I think well I'm no good to anybody so I'll just you know take myself out of it for two days so I can't comprehend how that must feel if you are going through potentially years of transition and you're not having open and honest conversations and you're not feeling supported and you haven't got like a little community that you can connect with so it's super cool that you're doing that and that you're giving people that little platform oh thank you um that, I, I really appreciate that um I think it's one of those things that um i already seen the benefits with uh with individuals when you go to some of the the events that that it's not myself who's putting on those events that you know it might be something like a menopause cafe and if you go there and you just in the room is full of women who are um wanting this dialogue and um you know you saying that about when you've got uh you know say one or two days within the month and you know, it might well be that that's the way that you feel is is the best way to manage that. Um, or, you know, one of my questions about that and also about everything about perimenopause and menopause is, um, you know, how best can, how, is there a better way to actually deal with those, those days, those weeks, those months? You know, what do we want? You know, and asking those direct questions to um, women has actually been, pretty mind-blowing because a a lot of them have never been asked that question before um and b the conversation it opens up you can see it, the, the relief in the room is palpable you can literally see like women kind of sigh and kind of go oh thank god I'm getting taken seriously yeah and yeah. it's massive it, that and and then you can actually then, you know, we were saying, like you've just said, you don't want all this to be, you know, mega negative. Um, but yeah, there are, there's, there's a quarter of women that experience symptoms. It impacts upon their life. We've had this discussion off, you know, off this podcast of, you know, that women leaving work, women not feeling like they can, you know, spend, do what they want on a daily basis. Relationships breaking down because men and women aren't understanding each other anymore and, men are there in the situation not understanding it probably thinking that the wife doesn't love them anymore or the wife hates them in some situation mm. when yeah. really they need to communicate and support each other 
it can have a huge impact but yeah um hrt do you take hrt or What's, what's your management strategy? No. Um, so my, I was just about to say, just off the back of that, saying, you know, you, you kind of look at the negatives and then actually what are the positives that we can do? Um, I'd certainly say at the moment, mine over the last year to 18 months has been very much um, about uh, my lifestyle and how that's helped me manage it. Yeah. On the In the background of all this has been that, um TMI people I feel like I'm putting a warning <laughs> I'm sorry, straight no warning. and I think that's half the problem that people I still it have is. people say to me women's troubles and I'm like piss off come on like we're all yeah. in the hole aren't we we need to have honest conversations I know I know um and uh, oh, what did someone say I could, oh anyway I was about to totally digress on a rant then but so basically, over my uh, reproductive life, my um, the physical nature of my cervix has completely changed and gone from being really, really easy to have a uh, coil fitted to now it's basically like trying to fit a plastic tube around a U bend in a right in a loo. Um, so physically, I have changed, um, and as a result of that, I am on a waiting list for a very very simple procedure of a the to get another marina coil surgically implanted um it's got it's it's got to different levels the last i've had this will be my third one um and it's got to different levels last time i had um <laughs> it was hilarious there was some i went to uh the clinic up in I think it was up in Carlisle so this woman goes she says oh we've got a trainee in today would it be okay oh. for her to go and I was like I was like do you know what love go for your life but I am telling you now I was like I am telling you now if she does it you need to give her a job like just off the bat just give her a job if it happened anyway it unsurprisingly didn't happen but I was a little bit like yeah told you so anyway then this so this time round, um, the doctor, like had said previously, had basically said, "Look, it, if you, you know, you're experiencing these symptoms, and it might well help you out to, um, you know, in the in the say this as well. I think in terms of HRT, obviously, I'm not a doctor, but kind of understand a bit about it now. That if I have the marina coil fitted, then that'll be the progesterone side of things, um, and then hopefully I can look at some of the, um." options such as potentially the gel or patches for the estrogen side of things and then I don't suffer massively at the moment the low libido doesn't seem to be a <laughs> seem to be a thing um it's so in terms of testosterone that might not be necessarily a conversation I need to have with my doctor um but I have now been I've now been for two lots of pre-op that have run out um so I'm gonna have to go for another pre-op I've been waiting for this for a long time now and what happened was on the last pre-op they said to me well I was on the pill I um again part of that to help um hormonally and also for contraception um because even though I'm perimenopausal and it nobody really I, I didn't know where I was with my periods because I've been on my um you know the the coil uh so that's a really long story short but I am now it's almost like I'm totally cold turkey on the hormonal side of things um and I'm waiting for this um this coil to be fitted but 
I have noticed definitely over the last few months my symptoms getting worse in inverted commas. There's certainly been others that I feel like I'm um, suffering with. Um, and it, I'll tell you one of the ones, I, I didn't, it, someone said this to me the other day. Oh, it might have been because when I was um, listening to Davina's book, you know, yeah. when we were saying about Davina's book, but the one where you feel like you're getting an electric shock. Yeah, yeah. It's like, whoa, yes, that's me. Um, I'm going to just chip in here a little bit more data. Sometimes I think as coaches, we can assume that people know exactly what we're talking about. So I'm just going to intervene and say we're talking about HRT. That's hormone replacement therapy. And it is what it says on the tin in terms of you are replacing the hormones that are dropping out. Now, it's not one size fits all. You don't just go, you get a magic pill and you're better. If you're in a position where you feel like your symptoms are having a hugely detrimental impact on your quality of life and you want to go and look at HRT, you need to understand that there's going to be a little bit of tweaking. You're going to be seriously lucky if you see your GP and a month later you're absolutely, you know, bouncing on the sun. Um, so it, what I'm saying, I guess, is keep trying, keep going back. If that is a route that you choose, keep going back until you find the right combination that works for you. Um, Definitely. Well, I think it's positive at the moment <clears throat> we're having open conversations about HRT, and I know a lot of my clients are on HRT in different forms, but I also want to say that it doesn't have to be HRT because sometimes the narrative can go like, very strongly in one direction, can't it? And the moment it's all HRT, HRT, which, yep, if you personally want to go down that route, brilliant, do your research, speak to your GP, there's loads of options. But there's other things we can do and try, isn't there, in terms of our lifestyle before maybe going down that route. So yeah, but, some examples. Yeah, definitely. I um, I would absolutely advocate, like I said before, if you are going to have a conversation with your GP, get the symptom checkers. And I've got a dead quick link. I mean, when we talk about places to go for things. Yeah. Um, so that you can actually look at those symptoms, rank those symptoms. I think actually prior to that, it's worth, um, it, if it's a discussion with a coach, brilliant. Um, but you can sit down and do this yourself. I, I, done a heck of a lot of journaling to understand my symptoms how they actually impact on my cycle and my monthly cycle so I'll use the I use the flow app um that helps me understand my cycle and um the you know when I am going to menstruate where what um symptoms I'm seeing at certain parts of the month because again it's important to note that this isn't like every single night I'm there sweating it changes yeah. and it also changes throughout throughout perimenopause and that that lead up to menopause do the the symptoms some are more prevalent some are not some can go away completely um but in terms of that a, a good little thing to do is sit down and have a and just spend literally 10 15 minutes a day just writing down how you're feeling um and you know how that previous day went and then just build up an uh a picture of what it is like for you everybody is an individual and therefore you can also look at certain lifestyles factors I'm going to use one that is a really really 
um, easy one to use. And I'm not by any means saying that this is everybody, but it might well be that you're prone to a little tipple of a daily basis. Um, and, you know, done that, cooking the meal, having a couple of glasses of wine. Da, 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 da. And then you notice when you journal it, well, like, oh, oh blimey. Yeah, 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 like three quarters of a bottle of red wine last night. My night sweats were even worse than they usually were. Or, oh, I've got, you know, my night sweats. And then that's a really, really common one because it's a really easy example of something that can really exacerbate symptoms. Can alcohol? I mean, it's... um. Interesting because a lot of ladies that I work with potentially increase their alcohol consumption as a way of trying to manage some of the symptoms brought on by perimenopause. So it's kind of a little vicious cycle for some people, isn't it? Of thinking um, it might help with their anxiety or help them relax. But then, like you say, it can trigger things like exacerbating hot flashes and it can also increase anxiety the next yeah. day. So it might wind you night and then in the morning you're going to be sky high with anxiety again so it's definitely worth mm. paying a bit of attention to that for sure yeah and, and there are some simple things that I've done with people um you know when it comes to just looking at lifestyle factors so really basic one sleep hygiene you know um it can be for myself I I'm absolutely no worries getting to sleep head hits pillar boom out I am that typical 2am, that's it. And my brain is like, oh, you're not going back to sleep. Oh, let's just think about this. Oh, can you remember that thing that you did yesterday? Oh, you remember that conversation you had? Do you think what you said to her was the right thing? To say? Oh, uh -oh. I bet she's laid there thinking about that as well. Honestly, you name it, whatever it is, 3am, like it's just bonkers. And um, I think, you know, that, it's such a textbook thing but everyone always says it about screen times about winding down um like I say going to sleep for me not not an issue it's in the middle of the night and therefore for me it was like right I'm always all right going to sleep what can I do really really simple one was uh was uh breath training and um and you can get these through you know dead uh free through YouTube through Calm the Calm app just box breathing, the in for four, hold for four, out for four, dead, dead straight four. I will literally, or another simple one to do is you breathe in and you breathe out for longer than you breathe in. Um, and you focus on your breath and it, it takes some training. It isn't going to happen overnight. And this is something that, you know, I now, it, that helps me definitely. Um, I would certainly say that's a little strategy that that helps, but it's about looking at holistically what's going on for you by saying, right, I've got this one symptom that I want to get rid of. How am I going to get rid of That's That's not for me. That is not going to be effective. And I think I'm talking from a personal and a coaching point of view. Look at the person as a whole. I mean, I know we we're very, very similar in terms of getting to know people know what's going on with them because the minute you if you if you don't do that first and don't understand what's going on as a whole the minute you try and do put one extra thing into that life that can be the straw that breaks the camel's back and that yeah. and it, it's and that isn't a solution um you know it's yeah and and for me there are there are some really positive things you can do to help you holistically with the symptoms of uh, perimenopause.
do think that, I mean, it might be quite controversial, but as a coach, I could be quite a, a direct, straight talker. Um, I do think there's a certain level of responsibility that we have to take for our own health. And sometimes I'll speak to women and say, you're expecting a lot from your body, but you're not actually holding up your side of the bargain in terms of like regularly moving your body, fueling your body with nutritionally dense food the majority of the time. The basics that we all know we need to do for physical and mental health. I think, I don't know if you agree that sometimes people want so much from their body, but aren't paying its dues. So I always say like, you know, how much do you expect your body to do for you when you're not putting any of the good stuff in or doing any of the things to like manage your mental health, manage your stress, you know, scrolling on your phone or sitting watching telly and binging isn't going to be as positive for you as if you put a podcast on and go out for a walk or try and find a hobby to distract yourself and just, I know they sound really simple, but I think sometimes like the little things that we can add in and do consistently can help us just kind of manage some of the stress so I, I use exercise to manage anxiety so I talk from a place like that that if I don't exercise it, it, it quite quickly impacts my mental health and my ability to be able to cope with stress and anxiety so that's where it comes from with me saying well, what are you doing to look after your body yeah I absolutely agree with you but like it and there's there's that balance there's that tightrope we walk don't we as coaches of being of a little bit of tough love um, and then know when to put your arm around people. Yeah. Um, and and a lot of that comes from experience. But you're absolutely right. You you've you know we're adults. We have to take responsibility for ourselves in this. And you cannot just expect things to happen um, without putting some effort in to establish the the habits that will bring about a really positive response. It's short term oh, it's so cliche well it's cliche because it's true but short term um you know sacrifice for a long term game yeah. and that um, doesn't as well I understand you know joint pain lack of mojo you're maybe not going to be wanting to do burpees and going lifting heavy in the gym but it's like you said you can adapt what you're doing okay it might just be going for a walk or going for a swim or doing a bit of yoga but you've got to do something to you know, get the happy hormones flowing, move your body in whatever form works for you. But that's cliche as well, isn't it? But we're always going to promote it, obviously. But moving your body is going to impact you positively, isn't it? When you find a way that works for you. Massively, absolutely massively. And I think probably we're, we're in a sense, this is we're talking to talking to the masses in a sense that there are, you know, a percentage where that it can some of these symptoms can be crippling for but let's talk about that you know majority yeah. the majority and you know by actually looking um at your lifestyle as a whole there will be places that you can help yourself in terms of these these symptoms the the joint stiffness and the joint aching and things like that is um that's something that if that goes if that went on ignored and you didn't keep moving you know you're about that's then you're compounding that issue as well um and as we get older actually the the benefits of um doing resistance training yeah as you as we know you know are absolutely huge there was a there was a study into that in um females as they as they got older i wish 
blooming written it down to be able to quote it but basically they looked at a study of, of females and who took part in um, really cardio-based activity and then the resistance-based activity and it was those with it they basically concluded at the end of this long story short that if you were going if you only had time to do one of those things then you you do that resistance training baby and yeah um, that is going to have those long-term benefits as we well know you know in terms of bone health muscle health um and you know to you and I that's like well yeah of course go figure but there has this we still fight against people you know constantly saying that um you know I've, I've, oh, I've got to do I've got to go do my cardio I've got to go for you know like this ridiculously you know long run da, 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 and all this and and I'm like right just calm down please just chill out a little bit and let's talk about what's right for you as a whole it's just it's very personal isn't it though because I mean I resistance train regularly I promote it to my clients but I know a lot of my clients also enjoy that um that release, that peak of really intense cardio. And I get that because it helps me as well. You know, a 30 minute something that's going to take you to seeing stars. So it is yeah, very- Yeah, we both do. We're both the same yeah. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I could watch it all day, but I'm going to wrap it up because- um, worries, love. We could sit here for hours. Hopefully people have taken some positives from this and um, a few tips. But how can people find you on social media? Because you've got loads of great content that you're putting out there. So I am on Instagram, Mission365 Coaching. Um, my name is Anne Stowers. I am also on Facebook as Mission365 Coaching. So either of those two platforms um and um we I love the phrase my dms are always open um but honestly you know um, but I love love hearing from people um yeah well I will I'll tag you as well when I share the podcast I'll put you in the comments and people can get following get informing themselves knowledge is power it's all about taking responsibility of your own health isn't it so you can go and have really positive informed conversations absolutely could not agree more and um thank you so much for having me on i've loved it thank you take care you too bye